0: If I were to ask you this morning to make a list of all the different communities you are engaged in or all the different smaller groups that are part of your life, think about what you might put on that list. I mean, we're all traveling through life with smaller groups of people. What would be on that list if you were going to write that out? I mean, hopefully more and more of you would put down a church small group or an adult congregation or that you're part of the high school ministry here at the church or something like that. I would also imagine that most of us would put down family as one of the communities in which we engage in. There might be a group of friends at work that we're especially close to. Maybe there's a neighborhood small group a book club that we're in or a cooking group that we're part of. Maybe there is a group of friends at school that we regularly hang out with. But if you thought through that list of all the different communities of people that you regularly engage with, think what might be on that list. And let me ask you this morning that as you consider that list, have you ever thought about the possibility that there may be another community that many of us here this morning are part of but don't know it. That if we took that complete list of all of those groups we are associated with, that for many of us in this room, our list may be short by one group. And what if I told you that this group that many of us here this morning are perhaps unwittingly participating in, is the most dysfunctional of all of the communities on our list. And in fact, our participation with this one group is actually sabotaging much of the blessings that would normally be present in our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and look together at this mystery group of which I'm speaking. Ephesians chapter 5, it's page 829. If you're using one of the church Bibles, there'll be one in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat. Ephesians 5, and I'm going to be reading verses 3 to 7, and we're going to be discovering that God has something to say about our participation in a community that most likely most of us here this morning didn't realize we were participating in. Will you listen as I read verses three to seven? But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. See that last verse, verse 7? Do not be partners with them. The word for partners is a community word we could actually translate verse 7, don't participate in that community or stop participating in that community. So when I said at the beginning of the sermon that many of us here this morning are participating in a community that we might be unaware that we're doing, this is what I'm talking about. Paul says there's a community out there that many of us are participating in that's not very good for us. Now, what is this mystery group? What is this community that Paul is imploring us, don't be part of that thing. Don't participate in that. Well, the community is described for us in verses five and six. And I want to share with you three things about this mystery group that identifies who it is Paul's talking about. The first is if you notice in verse five, three words are used. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Now the first two words, immoral and impure, both refer to the same thing and they're both talking about Persons engaged in sexual immorality and by sexual immorality, what Paul means is pornography, adultery, homosexual activity, premarital sex, sexual abuse, any kind of sexual behavior that is outside the bounds of heterosexual marriage, the whole range of sexual immorality. Paul says this group is made up of sexually immoral persons and greedy persons. By greed, Paul means those who have a strong desire to have more and more money and possessions for themselves. And the first thing that Paul tells us about this mystery group that we don't want to be participating in is that the group is made up of sexually immoral and greedy persons. The second thing he tells us about this group is that this community is separated from God and the object of God's wrath. Look in verse 5, he says, in this group, see the phrase, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? What that means is, is to have an inheritance, although it sounds future, it's actually present. And the idea is, is that this group has no part with God, separated from God, from his power and his love and his presence. That's what no inheritance in the kingdom of God means. Verse six says, not only is this group separated from God's presence, the people in this group are the objects of God's wrath. That because of the behavior in this group, God's wrath is now and in the future being poured out against this community. Now, we stop for a minute and say, why should that be the case? Why should it be that a community that's made up of sexually immoral and greedy persons should be the object of God's wrath and separated from God's presence and power? After all, if a single man is engaged in pornography in sort of the quiet of his own home, who's he really hurting? Doesn't this seem a little bit much that that activity would separate him from the love and power of God? Or what about the young woman who is constantly obsessing about money and possessions but keeps it to herself and doesn't share that with anybody? Doesn't it seem a bit over the top? Who's she really hurting? Yes, it's not great. But how can we say that such a person is the object of God's wrath? Doesn't that seem a bit harsh? Or what about that engaged couple who are planning on being married and simply start their sexual relationship a little bit early? Does that really qualify them To be separated from God's love and his power? Or the man who is working night and day to try to build for himself a large bank account? It's not great. But who's he really hurting? Well, this answer to the question comes when we understand the third characteristic about this group. It's in verse 5. Paul says, No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. The third characteristic of this group is that it is made up of sexually immoral persons and greedy persons who are separated from God's power and presence and objects of God's wrath because they are idolaters. See, the first commandment God ever gave in the original Ten Commandments was you shall have no other gods before me. We read it together this morning. That is the very first and most important commandment God gave. You shall have no other gods before me. What that means is, he's talking about idolatry. It means that there should not be anyone or anything in our lives to whom we give the love, the devotion, the obedience, the service that we put our trust in like we do God. That idolatry is anything else or anyone else that we give the love, devotion, service, confidence, and trust that is to be reserved for God and God alone. And while there are lots of different idols in this world, two of the most common from the beginning of time to today are money and sex. Jesus says about money, No man can serve two masters. He'll either love God and hate money, or he will hate God and love money. It's idolatry. Money is a very real and possible idol. And what Paul says is when you have a greedy person, When you have a person whose heart is inflamed with getting more and more possessions for themselves, who spends their money on themselves, Paul says the question is not who are they hurting. The question is it's idolatry that the person has placed money in the center of their life. The position reserved solely for God. Money is now in that place. The same is true with sexual immorality. The person who is engaged in pornography has placed self-gratification at the center of their life. The place where God belongs. The young couple who's engaged but not yet married and are involved sexually with one another has placed their own pleasure And their relationship at the center of their lives instead of God. And what Paul is saying is whether that hurts the people or not, it does. Don't get me wrong. That's not his point here. The point is it's idolatry. You have displaced God from his proper position. And that is the first and most important commandment that God gave. And it's for this reason. And Paul says, this is why this community is separated from God's power and his love and the objects of God's wrath. It's because those engaged in sexually immoral or greedy behavior have made themselves idolaters. This is the group Paul is saying, don't participate in it. Now that raises the question How do you and I today participate in this group? I mean, if it wasn't possible that we could be part of this group, Paul wouldn't have written this to us. I said at the beginning of the sermon that many of us here this morning are participating in this group and don't even know it. So, how is it that we participate? in this community of idolatry well in order to explain this you have to kind of think about there being sort of two levels of participation on one hand there are sort of full members of this community and a full member of this community is defined as someone who has not yet placed their faith in jesus christ as lord and savior and is engaged in sexually immoral or greedy behavior or has been in the past. What Paul is saying is is if that's your case, and there are some here this morning for whom that is the case, your sexually immoral behavior and your greed has placed you in full membership in this. This is your community. And the heartbreaking thing is is that you are separated from God's power and his love and objects of his wrath both now and unless something changes for eternity. That's full membership in this community. But there's also associate membership in this community. That's what Paul's talking about in verse 3. Look back at verse 3. But among you, speaking of Christians, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed for, because these are improper for God's holy people. Why not? Verse 7, because it makes you a part of this community. It makes you an associate member of this community. So what's an associate member? It is a person who is a believer in Jesus, who engages in sexually immoral or greedy behavior. While it's true that on judgment day, your eternity is safe with God in Christ, from now until that point, God says you are separating yourself from the blessings that I offer and experiencing the discipline right now in your life. Let me illustrate to try to show the difference between sort of full membership in a community and associate membership in the community. When I lived in Dallas, I worked for a corporation called Texas Instruments. And one day the... uh, leadership of our corporation decided that the division I worked in was not profitable enough and so we were going to be put up for sale now many of you have gone through that uh, in your own workplaces and you know the moment that announcement is made morale hits the floor because we were told that we would be offered up for sale and that most likely whoever bought us a number of our jobs would be eliminated now Suddenly, we were cut off from some of the perks and benefits in the corporation because they're like, hey, if we're selling that division, why give them stock options? (laughs) And suddenly, some of the benefits we had been used to were gone. And now there was fear and there was uncertainty, and nobody really wanted to work. We didn't know who we were working for. And every day was sort of a miserable experience coming into work trying to figure out what's going to happen. Now, in my division at Texas Instruments, where I worked, there were really two kinds of employees. The first were people who were full employees of TI, that was me. I was coming in every day doing my job. The problem was is my name was gonna be on the list of people who were going to be let go. That was going to be potentially my future. But there was a guy sitting near me who I would say was sort of an associate employee of TI. What that means is he actually worked for a consultant he actually worked, he was a contractor who was employed by somebody else but had been assigned to Texas Instruments. He came to work just like me, we worked side by side. Now the difference between the two of us, what separated me being a full employee and him being sort of associate employee, was our future. He was not going to lose his job. Once the division was sold, he was employed by a different company. He would simply be reassigned to go work somewhere else. My future was completely uncertain. I was destined to be let go. So the difference between the two of us was our future. But the similarity between the two of us was our present. Both of us were coming to the same office every day. Both of us were experiencing the same miserable working environment. Both of us had the same fear. Both of us experienced the same lack of access to the perks and to the benefits of working at the company. The point is, this is what Paul is talking about. Those who are not believers in Jesus are full members in this community. Those who are believers in Jesus are associate members of this community. The difference is the future, but the similarity is the present. And Paul's saying, If you are a Christian and you are engaged in sexually immoral behavior and or greedy behavior, you have made yourself an associate member of the community of idolatry. And Paul's saying you don't want to be part of that group. Now that's the theology at work here. What practically does this mean for you and I today? Let me give you four points of application. First, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you are a full member in a community that is separated from God's love and the object of God's wrath, both now and forever. I cannot say that seriously enough. Look, the world is going to tell you, pornography, who's that hurting? Sex before marriage or outside of marriage, what's the big deal? We're both consenting adults, what's the problem with it? People are going to tell you, so you want more vacation homes, so you want a big bank account, what's the big deal? I'm telling you, God says that's idolatry. The single biggest command he ever gave, no gods before me. You're in violation of. And look at how he says it in verse five. For of this you can be sure. No one, no idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Idolaters are the object of God's wrath. And the application for you is, is that this is a community of death. And you're a full member of it. But by God's grace, he wants you out. And so he sent his son to come and die for your deeds of sexual immorality and of greed and that in Christ faith in Christ brings with it full and complete forgiveness of sins and if you're here this morning the thing you need to hear and understand is that your present and your future are absolutely dark and getting worse but in Christ God is offering you full and free forgiveness. To take all that activity, to take all of those things, and wipe it off of your account, to pull you out of that community of death, and give you life. Accept His mercy and His grace. Acknowledge that at the heart of what you've been doing is putting yourself, your desires, your pleasures. In the place where God belongs. And if you will let Him have His place, He will bring to you joy and blessing and peace and forgiveness. Secondly, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you have by faith accepted Christ as Lord and are engaged with sexually immoral behavior, wherever on that list you may find yourself, or greedy behavior, your future is secure because of faith in Christ, and thank God for that. But at the present, you are now currently separated from the blessings God sent His Son to give you, that in the day-to-day experience, it's no different than the non-Christian who is separated from God. That's the point that Paul is saying in this passage. That when you view pornography at night, what you're doing is you are putting yourself away from God's power and his presence. As you are making yourself the object of his discipline and his wrath. And Paul's trying to say, look, any of us can fall into this. Any of us here this morning can be associate members of this group. And if you and I are constantly trying to buy as many vacation houses as possible and pad our lives with as much possessions and these kinds of things, God says we're making ourselves associate members of that community. And not only are we separating ourselves from God's love and blessing, because we're participating in this community it's affecting every other one of our relationships. Did you realize that? This is why I said at the beginning that many of us in this room have a community that we're part of that we don't know anything about that's actually sabotaging the rest of our relationships. What God's trying to say is, look, if your sole desire is to get as many vacation homes as possible, if your sole desire is to have as big a 401k as possible, that puts you into this community, which means that your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your friends will all be affected because you don't know. You're part of another group. And that group is sabotaging every other relationship you have. Third, third, If you're part of a smaller community here at the church whether it's a small group adult congregation high school ministry whatever it may be if we don't deal with the reality of idolatry we'll never have true community you saw it in the video everybody in the group was thinking about different things whether it was their dog their house their coffee or their el camino or their own skills at leading a small group and the idea is, is that's what happens when there is idolatry that when there is something else in our lives that is in the place where god belongs especially sexual immorality or greed but also power or popularity, or beauty, or intelligence, or our own self-worth, if there's anything else that is our focus, we'll never experience true community. And that many of our smaller church communities, people are present in body, but not in spirit. Paul says it's because there's spirits in a different group. It's because many of us, when we show up, are really showing up to this group even though we think we're showing up to our small group and the point is is that if we're going to have the kind of successful community God wants us to have we got to deal with idolatry that doesn't mean we go on witch hunts finding anybody who may have any sort of idolatry in their life and throwing them out of the group the point is to be honest with one another Amen. and to acknowledge the struggles and the difficulty in immorality, in greed, in the rest of these areas and to realize until we deal with these things, if we simply come together every week or every month or whatever it is and pretend like we're a community without actually addressing the fact that for many of us there's something else at the center of our lives other than God, we're just playing around. We're just playing around and we'll be there in body but not in spirit. You can't be part of two communities at the same time. Not these kind of communities. Fourth, for anybody here this morning who may be struggling with sexual immorality or with greed who is already a Christian, part of the reason why we have a big push to encourage everyone to be part of a smaller church community is the church community is designed to replace the idolatry community. That if you confess your immorality, if you confess your greed, God immediately and totally forgives you. You've already been forgiven in Christ. But if you don't get connected with other people who have God at the center of their relationships, it's too easy to fall back into this community. And the point is, look, the draw is too strong. And God has given us Christian community to save us from the community of idolatry. Now look, this is heavy material. I'd much rather just get to preach last week's sermon over again. Stand up here and tell you about how much God loves you. To tell you how desperately His heart beats for you. But you know what? This is actually the same message. Yes, it is. Because if we don't understand that idolatry separates us from God's love, He never stops loving us. There is not a person in this room that God has stopped loving for even a moment. We say, well, why don't we experience His love then? Because we've chosen idols over Him. We chose money, we chose sex, we chose something else, and we purposely walked away from Him. That's right, that's right. And God says, my love has never changed for you. And so if we don't understand that idolatry hinders God's ability to love us, then the message about God's love is useless. And that's why our seventh commandment is avoid idolatry. Let's pray together. Lord, these are tough truths, but thank you for shooting straight with us. Thank you for being honest with us. How much worse would it be, Lord, if we were just wandering around through life wondering why we're not connecting with other people, wondering why we're not connecting with you. You have told us. It's because there's something else in our life that we love more than you. Forgive us for that, Lord. I pray especially for those of us here who are struggling with sexual immorality or with greed. God, would you wake us up to the fact that this is participating in a community of death, Oh, wretched people that we are, who can rescue us from these bodies of death? But by God's grace, you have provided a way. So Lord, I pray for any who are here who are struggling in that way. God, I also ask for those who are here this morning, those who came to the first two services, those who will be listening by internet or in the future, who are not yet believers in Jesus. Lord, the world has told them that what they're doing is okay. The world has told them sex is not that big a deal. The world has told them greed is good. Would you let them hear that it's idolatry? Would you let them know the certainty of their eternal future away from you, apart from Christ? God, would you open their eyes? Please let them see. God, would you show yourself to them? God, the reason why we don't serve sex or we don't serve money or we don't serve powers is because you're indescribable. You are incomparable. You are beyond any of that. And Lord, if you will show yourself, if you will show yourself to those who do not yet know you, God, they will fall in love with you. And I pray for your mercy and your grace that even at this moment, your spirit would communicate to their hearts and minds that they are lost without Christ. But in him, there is mercy full and free. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts.